Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. It's always great to be with somebody else from the Commonwealth and having you on the actual podcast as well. So whereabouts did you actually originate from? Because your name, is that from India? It's from India. In fact, I was born in India, but uh, we moved to England first and then to Canada you know, when I was five. And so I've been in Canada ever since then. And it's been a while. I'm not as, I'm not as young as I look. So I'm in my late 50s right now. Wow. And yeah, it's been a long time, you know, in both the field and being the field here in Canada as well. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and so, of course, hockey. You follow hockey, obviously. There's a lot of hockey that goes on here, <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. Yeah, so uh, one of the things about uh, Edmonton is it's the hometown of the Edmonton Oilers. And it doesn't get any more or a rabid fan base than it does right here in Edmonton. And Edmonton's in catchment area is no more than like one and a half million, 1.8 million people. But the team is now worth $1.1 billion, according to Forbes magazine. Wow. Amazing wow, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I actually, um, I was in the in the US because I, I used to travel there a lot, five, six times a year to Dallas and into the Bay Area and San Francisco as well. But when I was in Dallas, there was a hockey game that I got taken to. I've never been to one. And I went to it and it was the Dallas All-Stars versus the Canadian Toronto. Maple Leafs. I was going to yeah. say Maple Leafs. I don't want to muck it up. But they had the Stanley Cup there. And I had I had a photo of the with the Stanley Cup. It was amazing, and I was like, "Oh, what is this cup?" And everyone's like, "Wow, you got a photo with it?" And I said, "Yep," which was pretty cool. So interesting game, and just love sports, full stop. But I think it was just wonderful to see the whole thing happen, and so exciting. So hopefully one day I'll come to Canada, and maybe you and I can go and watch a hockey game. You and I will have to go to a hockey game. In fact, the new uh, arena is just ten minutes away from me downtown. Excellent. So it's super yeah. close. Now, I've given our listeners a brief uh, introduction to your background. Is there anything else you might want to share about your background? Well, it's a pretty straightforward uh, background. You know, I always find myself, you know, talking about myself a little boring. But, you know, for the last 27 years, I've been working in the sales business, the marketing business, sometimes the sales and marketing business. Mm -hmm. And I've been running companies uh, in the process and running campaigns, obviously. Uh, I have a couple of different interests. I'm an angel investor here in the area. And so I have my hands in a few different companies. And ultimately, you know, your whole podcast about leadership and leadership is one of those clear things that all of these companies are not relying upon from a single individual anymore. In fact, everybody has to step up into a leadership role of some kind, right? So it is a collaborative leadership process more than anything. There is no savior of the company. 
you have to a man or woman <laughs> your individual areas and be able to bring it to bear in a cohesive whole for the company for the enterprise so that you can actually be a threat to the competitors and in the va- in the process create value for your customers nice oh i love it what a start leadership is no single individual i, I love that and Kieran, there's one thing i work with a lot of leaders that i with executives and i that i work with in teams and it is the power of storytelling and of course your book is in relation to that. How important is storytelling? Well, storytelling is all there is. In fact, the only time that you can make sense of your world is through the stories you tell yourself about it. And the only way you can communicate your world is through the narratives you tell your customers, your employees, your constituents about it. So the only way that human brains, human brains are remarkably well-suited, adapted evolutionarily to absorb, retain, and make sense of story. That's how we communicate. And so storytelling is the medium to drive the message. And is that also the, the, the medium to drive the message, but also to connect with the audience? It's both, because unless you have a message that resonates and that is visceral and that evokes an emotive state and creates vision, possibility, you know, future states that they can participate in, you're not very relevant. And if you're not relevant, you are irrelevant yep. in the process, right? <laughs> so you, people may have just as well not have met you if you don't have a powerful, cogent narrative that they can participate in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Because I think I, I find that a lot of people tend to sort of go, huh, I, I don't get what they just talked about. Or others go, wow, this is the first person that I really understand. They get it. They just speak plain English. And I'm not sure if they do speak plain English. It's just the fact that people can relate to what they're saying. And people are, people are naturally attracted. Mm. You know, marketing. And so I'm a, I'm a marketing consultant. And marketing has to do two things. It has to not only attract, but it also has to repel. Mm. It has to attract and repel at the same time. And so you're attracting your perfect audience and you're repelling your imperfect ones. So what that means is that the narratives that you tell, and in fact, the only thing that anybody buys from you at the very beginning is the story that you tell, the narrative. And the narrative has your customer as its hero. And so you now have a set of products and services that are effectively a, ma- you know, and what that makes you is the wizard, the wise wizard, the fairy godmother. And your products become the magic incantation, the amulet, the magic sword that transforms your customer from where they want to be to where they want to go. So you are in, and the only thing that you can sell at the very beginning is not the product. You have to sell the story about that transformation because if they don't buy into the story, they won't buy anything else. Yep. I love what you just shared there. I think that's that's brilliant. And would that also be not just for selling, say, to customers and things like that, but would it also be for a leader, I'm going to call it selling, but also taking people on the journey within the organization. That's the, would that also apply to that too? So when I say selling, you know, the very first thing you have to sell is an idea. And ideas don't always, you know, end up in products. They can end up in directions. And so, you know, who is it, Columbus, you know, regardless of what the Christopher Columbus may be thought of today, he had to sell the Spanish king and queen, Isabella, uh, on the idea of financing these three ships to the new world. Had to sell that idea. Steve Jobs had to sell his board on the, what is a new Macintosh computer, you know, the whole thing, which saved the company, which absolutely saved the company. Now, he had to go spend 10 years in the wilderness in the meantime, but he had to sell. We're on the sales and persuasion basis, whether that's us as politicians, 
Okay, and trying to convince the people to go into direction. Mr. Zelensky is clearly in the sales business now. You know, he's not only keeping his own people spirits high, but he has to sell the Western powers on supplying him with not only moral support, but with weapons and with cash and with sanctions and all that. It's all a sales process. And can you imagine a leader in his position without the ability to persuade? You know, that entire country would be for naught at this point in time. But there's an example of, a, of an individual, and he was a comedian. And comedians at their core have to be in the communication business. I really understand their audience. And so he already had these powers available to him. And to see this man step up into such a prominent role from what he was before, you know, is just awe-inspiring, absolutely awe-inspiring. But what's he doing? He's selling stories. Actually, I've just given a quick introduction to our listeners about you. Tell us a little bit more about your background. But before you go there, when I said it was about being a CEO, what do we mean by that? What's the name of the company? I think it's Automate. Tell us a little bit about that, but a little bit more about your background too. Yeah. So a little about my background. I've always been this just super loud and curious kid who was never afraid to question anyone in authority if I thought that it was unethical or just didn't make sense. And you know, that those big differences about me really, you know, in my childhood made it fun and exciting. And my teenage years were probably the terrifying and terrible. And then, but it's ultimately the reason that I was brave enough to start Audit Mate, right? Like, I believe that leaders should be human-centric and that we actually work for our people versus the other way around. I think that companies should be here to make the world a little bit better. And that's really where AuditMate was founded from. So I joined the elevator industry in my early 20s and quickly found that these insane profits were a direct result of people not understanding contracts and elevator companies not doing their job. And Mm. so AuditMate was born out of this passion of believing that building owners didn't need to be elevator experts. They just need honest and transparent information to be able to make good decisions and then go back to their real jobs, right? Their jobs are not just managing elevator vendors, they're managing building. So we're here to get clients 100% of what they're paying for. And and meanwhile, just disrupting what business looks like and, and what employees look like and kind of being loud and obnoxious all the time. Yeah, very cool. And I actually think that's a really quite a, that's a very strong skill to have is the ability to ask questions and question things. Do you feel that leaders today in the industry and business owners and so forth question enough? No. No. Not most of them. I don't think we're curious enough. I think we need to be more curious about the people that make up our organizations, including customers, including employees, including partners, right? Like all humans that interact with our organization all feel like they're contributing in different ways and see value in different ways and being able to really tap into that. There's a culture there that you might not be aware of or a part of at all as a leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's very good. And I love the word curious. I think it's a very good word in the sense that should be used a lot by a lot of leaders. And people aren't just a number. They Mm -hmm. they are real people. And we need to treat them really well. And as as I said in the introduction too, about treating people with dignity, Mm -hmm. I think is important. Now, my question to you here is, how did you get into leadership? I think as a kid, it was just this natural state of being, right? If there was a project, I was leading it. 
And it just organically felt good for me to be in the place of bringing people together, of structuring projects and deliverables in a way that made it easier on others. Like, hey, this is what you're good at. Let me set out the stage so that I can eliminate roadblocks for you so that you can do what you want to do and they can do what they want to do. And then we can feel like we're contributing. But in a manager sense, that really developed in the elevator industry was what my first roles in like actual people eating as a job title. Yep, yep, yep. What was that like for you? Because I mean, in the industry of elevators, I don't know about the US, but I do know, say in the in New Zealand, there are not many females that are involved in the elevator industry. What was that like for you? I mean, is that true for you in the US? And what was it like? Yeah, I think it's true globally, for sure, in the elevator industry. It's very male-dominated, absolutely. When I first stepped into my first managerial role, I am a very analytical person. I want everything in a spreadsheet, and I want to know all the tasks that are a part of the big picture. And for me to wrap my head around that not everybody wants their whole life in a spreadsheet, I think was my first big learning curve of a leader of like, oh, People felt like I was micromanaging them, but that's just how I managed my life. Right. Right. And so that was a really big learning curve for me. But as far as being a woman and being a queer woman, right, and I'm a small woman and I'm a young woman and I'm really loud and I'm not going to sit around if something doesn't feel good and say, oh, yeah, just keep going. Right. And so I was constantly disruptive. I was the problem. Right. It became that the industry wasn't the problem or the lack of accountability wasn't the problem. It became that I was the problem because I was so different in so many ways, which is ultimately why I left. Okay. And then you, so later on, you've started Automate. So you've gone in there now, you're disrupting the market even so, even more so in the sense of saying to customers, hey, are you really paying too much for what you're getting? Hey, elevator kind of businesses, are you actually delivering what you're doing? and um, what you promised to deliver. And I think that you've gone in again and disrupted again. So I think what you've actually just said to me before, I'm constantly disrupting things. Yep, absolutely. And just my presence alone disrupts things, right? I made myself fit into a box for a really long time in the clothes that I wore and, you know, even my glasses, right? Like I, I wear loud glasses, I wear loud jewelry, I have tattoos, right? And when I left the elevator industry, I'm like, God, that doesn't feel good. That can feel good for other people too. I like feeling seen. I think other people like feeling seen as well. And in fact, I work better and am more productive and more efficient when I don't have to worry about how I'm dressed or if I'm uncomfortable in the clothes that I'm wearing or if I'm uncomfortable or feel like I need to wear this mask in order to be taken seriously. And so that was a big change for me of like, professional doesn't have to look a certain way. The color of my hair does not change my intellect, right? And right. so that's something that I'm really pushing against is we can look however we want. We can dress however we want. We can be whatever gender. And that doesn't make you any more or less qualified. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. 
Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.